This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Police in Italy confirming that they have, in fact, shot and killed the 24-year-old responsible for the terrorist truck attack in Berlin at that Christmas market. Hi there, it's Doc Thompson. Been for Glenn Beck today. Thanks so much for joining me. The man's name is Anus Amari. Nope, it's Anus. Uh, You could say it's a different, it's A-N-I-S, it's Anus. Sorry, that's what I'm running with. They say that he was apparently attempting to enter Italy, Milan, police stopped him, or police in Milan, he's already in Italy, how that all came about. But it was a routine ID check. They were checking IDs. He, at some point, started firing at them. They returned fire and shot him dead. We have some other new information on him this morning. We're going to lay out how this entire terrorist attack went down in Berlin. He has links to Italy. He first went to Italy when he left Tunisia in 2011. So he immigrated there in 2011 to Italy. So it's very comfortable for him. He got a four-year prison sentence shortly after he arrived at the refugee center in Italy because he started a fire. They sentenced him to four years in prison and he went to jail. He got released in 2015 and then made his way to Germany. There are so many questions about this terrorist attack and quite a few questions of should they known about this, should they have been able to stop him prior to, and then what looks like some pretty big security failures in different parts of Europe after the attack. I'm somebody that likes to give the benefit of the doubt when it comes to things like this because we don't know all the facts. Police don't know all the facts. But even based on what I'm about to share with you, there's enough questions that I think we have to demand answers. Yes, we in America have to demand answers as well. If we're working on terrorism together and we're providing support for some of our allies, we need to demand answers. We need to get to the bottom of it. And we need to make sure we are prepared. So one of the first questions I have is, how he was known to German counterterrorism agencies and watched, yet they didn't see this coming. 
The way I understand it, Germany has almost 600 people that they say are known by authorities as radical Islamists. Radical. People that are pretty likely to commit a terrorist act, or more likely, or could be radicalized quickly. Okay, 600 is a lot of people. Well, I mean, to keep tabs on like that, sure. So, okay, I get that. But he was known to them, likely as one of this almost 600. You go, well, it's hard to keep track of all of them, Doc. All right. They tried to arrest him when they had a wiretap of him speaking to other people, saying he was willing to carry out a terrorist operation. Hey, you want somebody to kill themselves? Uh, It was a terrorist suicide operation. You want somebody to kill themselves and also take some other people out for terrorism? Hey, I'm your guy. They have him on tape saying that. But they didn't arrest him because they wouldn't issue, authorities would not issue an arrest warrant because they said his comments were too vague. So you have him on this wiretap. Okay. You know he's been in trouble with the law before. He's known because they think he might be somebody that could be radicalized. You get him on wiretap with a vague, hey, I may be a suicide bomber. Okay, I still, maybe the words were vague. I didn't hear the tape. If I did hear it, I'm not sure I could understand whatever language it was in anyway. So, benefit of the doubt, fine, okay. But then, in March, they started surveilling him again. This past March. They started watching him even closer in March Not because of all the other stuff, but because they think he was trying to raise money to buy automatic weapons by carrying out break-ins, planning and carrying out break-ins. So he'd break into places, steal stuff that was valuable, and either get to trade that in for cash to buy these automatic weapons or just take whatever cash he got to buy automatic weapons to carry out a terrorist attack. Okay, that's... That's adding a little more to this, isn't it? You're watching him now, March to September. I think even in the realm of that 600 people you're watching, at this point, this dude's bubbling to the top, right? How bad are those other dudes if this guy wasn't in your top 20, 25? Okay, okay. They stopped surveilling him for those possible ties to break-ins to buy the automatic weapons in September. This last September. Why? Because some in the country said, nah. He's likely not that big of a threat. He's mainly just a small-time drug dealer. (laughs) Well, okay, possible um, thief. Somebody's going to break into places. Burglar and drug dealer. Isn't that by itself somebody that you'd be watching? Especially knowing your other concerns. Aren't those a lot of concerns? Aren't there a lot of questions there? Great. That's just leading up to the attack. And by the way, that's just what we know. That's not what authorities knew. That's not what other information they had. That's not other things that they're privy to that we are not. After the attack. Well, first of all, let me lay out the attack here in case you're not familiar with the details. They believe based on the the computer system, GPS and everything else, the information they have, the tech information that they have from the truck. That he tried to start the truck and steal it, but couldn't get it started, and instead went with what was likely a carjacking. Carjacking the Polish driver, 
And then they track the truck as it headed over a long distance towards Berlin. When it got near the Christmas market in Berlin, the truck stopped for hours. Why did it stop for hours? They haven't confirmed. My speculation is he was waiting until that Christmas market was busier because it was busier than it was when he first arrived near the market with the truck. Two hours later, it was much busier. After the attack, and police are descending on the area trying to figure it out, stop it, is there more coming, it's chaos. What is the focal point? What do you think, what is, what are first responders doing when they respond? Number one, helping anybody who's injured and, well, one and two, helping anyone who's injured and stopping any other attacks. Well, what is the centerpiece of that attack? The truck, right? And the truck has stopped. Once the truck was stopped and they rolled up on it, how soon is that, right? You start investigating. Okay, you're making sure there's no other terrorists there, explosive devices, whatever. You start peering in the truck. That's within minutes that you start getting information on the truck. When they finally got in the truck, which does take a little bit longer, investigators found this dude's and anus's wallet. The 24-year-old dude who was responsible for this that was killed in Milan last night. They found Anus's ID and fingerprints in the cab of the truck. They were The ID was located next to the body of the registered Polish driver that they found slumped over with a single gunshot wound to the head. The reason I stress that about his ID being discovered so quickly is they were looking for and arrested that Pakistani guy who turned out to be innocent, not involved. It was Anus who, but they had his ID. I don't know why they were looking for the Palestini, uh, the Pakistani guy. I don't know if he had an ID in there as well. I don't know that. But if you have this guy's ID, you should be looking for him. Okay, got it. Maybe they had a lot of suspects in mind. You're right. Until you hear the next piece. According to a public broadcaster in Berlin, Berlin, The police filmed Anus heading into a Berlin mosque shortly after the attack. I don't know where the film was from. It was police. They were looking for the Pakistani suspect. They filmed Anus going into the mosque. Okay, great. You you believe it's the Pakistani guy. Uh, uh, Got it. The Pakistani guy, that's who you're looking for? For whatever reason, you believe that? But you found Anus's ID. Wouldn't you at least go, maybe we keep a guy, an eye on that guy at the mosque and see what's going on. His ID was in there, you know. You filmed him. So maybe they didn't have the ID until after they filmed him. Well, you already know that dude is a bad dude. He's on record. You have him in the wiretap and all that stuff. He's located within a proximity to a terrorist attack. And he's somebody that is one of your 600 or whatever it is. Wouldn't you pay attention to him? I don't know how he left the mosque, if they followed him at that point or what happened. But when he left the mosque, at some point he boarded a train and went from Germany to France first and then France to Italy. How was he able to travel? Even though they knew he was nearby and went into that mosque and filmed him and everything else. 
on this list even between countries. Now, likely because of the different rules in the European Union where you can travel from country to country, likely he was able to do it because of that. Well, how did Milan catch him then? Random ID check? Wouldn't you think France would be doing that now? France has been hit in the last few years harder than any other European country, any Western country, let's say, with terrorist attacks. It's been hit harder with them. I mean, the the, um, Nice attack and the multiple Paris attacks, all of them were brutal. If I remember right, was it 48 people that were killed in the Nice attack? That's incredible. Where's France saying, hey, let's do something a little bit different here? Let's put it this way. Hey, France, that guy traveled through your country. And the only reason he didn't uh, perpetrate terror in France is because he didn't perpetrate terror in France. He clearly had a weapon with him. He was firing at police in Milan. He could have at any point while in your country gotten off the train and shot somebody in the head or could have just shot somebody in the train. The only reason he didn't attack your country is because he didn't attack your country. You did not stop him. Germany did not stop him. Police in Milan stopped him. Aren't there a few questions in there about how this whole thing rolls out? It doesn't sound like they're they're fixing the problems. Angela Merkel, and I'm paraphrasing here, said, uh, we knew this was eventually going to happen. I mean, that's just terrorism now, and we get it. Uh, of course, it's horrible when it does, and it's more real and more graphic and more upsetting when it actually does, but she said it's not shocking, so to speak. And again, I'm paraphrasing. Well, what are you going to do? I know we have to catch the bad guys every time. They only have to get it right once. I get all that. But I'm asking you, are we doing what we have to do to stop this kind of stuff? Are we doing in America what we have to do? Is Europe doing what they have to do? What do we have to do to stop it? I'm going to open up the phone lines and get to your calls. 888-727-BECK. The number is 888-727-BECK. I'll take your calls coming up. You can also tweet at the program. It's at Doc Thompson Show. Please follow my my Twitter page or my Twitter account as well. It's at Doc Thompson Show. You'll see the little verified check mark there. And we'll get some of your comments on, on Twitter as well. So do you think America is doing what we have to do to stop terrorism? Because I just think it's a matter of time before we have a vehicle. Well, we had the Ohio State vehicle attack, but I mean a much more prolific one with a truck or something like this that that kills a lot of people not that ohio state wasn't serious of course it was um it's only a matter of time i don't necessarily think we are doing what we have to do or should do i certainly don't think uh europe is doing what they have to do even france man that seems like a failure on their part and then also what are the solutions what do we have to do your calls coming up next on the glenn beck program the glenn beck program Mercury. 
individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. To the Glenn Beck program. Doc Thompson in for Glenn today. Appreciate you joining me. It's at Doc Thompson Show on Twitter. Your call's coming up as well. Twitter uh, tweets first. Uh, deplorable Noel tweeting at Doc Thompson Show. 86 people were killed in the attack on Nice, France. You know what's funny? I just looked this up like a week ago and was stunned by the number. And then when I was trying to recall it on the air, I was like, was it 48? And that I was like, wow, that's a huge number. It's it's just so mind-boggling that you killed 86 people with a truck. That is amazingly high. I just even though I just looked it up, I still couldn't process it. 431 non-fatal injuries. 86 people killed, 431 injured in Nice. Mind-boggling. The Steve 42, he has a bit of a solution. He said, if you don't arrest or deport known radical terrorists, hashtag you're doing it wrong. Steve, you're right. This is a question, and this gets at the heart of some of the challenges we've had back since 9-11 with George W. Bush with spying on American citizens and intel. I know I'm in a minority on some of what I'm about to say. Some of you will agree. Many of you will not. I'm sorry. I will not give up personal freedoms. For temporary security. I can't do it, folks. I can't. I know how much worse it is when you give up those personal freedoms. And I know it's easy. I mean, if you've gone through anything like this, those of you that went through 9-11, that remember 9-11, the whole thing, anybody in Berlin that's gone through this attack at the Christmas market, our instant reaction is, somebody's gotta... What's the solution? Well, deporting known radical terrorists... Yes, if it's a known radical terrorist and you and you you have something on him, I'd say even lock him up. You know, I mean, is that what Gitmo was? Lock him up, deport him, do whatever you got to do. Handle it, though. Don't just be like, okay, they're floating around the country here. Great. So, yeah, that's part of it. Known, though. What do you mean by known? Likely radical terrorists? People with ties, too? What kind of ties? Do you have proof? It's got to be some level of proof. That's the reason when I went down the list of what they knew about anus, you know, okay, maybe it really wasn't enough on tape with the wiretap, but when you add it all up, doesn't that say a different level, an additional level of scrutiny? And this is where Israel comes in. You're probably familiar with the level of scrutiny and profiling, and at least a little bit on how they profile when it comes to Israel. Like at the airports when you fly, they profile. Some of the way they profile, we don't know. Some of it, we do. Well, we do because all profiling is based on a, huh, that doesn't look right. Huh, that's a bit damned irregular. Huh, I don't see that all the time. Some of it is based on that. 
But when we hear the word profiling in America because we've been programmed by the nutcases on the left to believe profiling, you mean lock up all black people. If a black person ever drives a car, then you've got to instantly arrest them. That's what they would have you believe. It's out of place. What looks out of place? And even that isn't an automatic lock them up. It's a greater level of scrutiny. Profiling is a huge piece of this. Do you think we profile enough in America? Have we learned from other countries and other people who do it right? Have we learned what works? I would say not. Your call's coming up, 888-727-BECK. It's 888 beck or on Twitter, at Doc Thompson Show. Your tweets and calls next on the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. I'm Doc Thompson in for Glenn today. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. It's sad that we ever have to talk about this stuff, this stuff being terrorism or terrorist attack and whether or not we're secure. And I'm not saying it to to frighten people, to scare people. It's just real. It's real. It is a possibility. It's a real possibility. I think it's just a matter of when and where again. That's where we're at one once more because I don't think we've done everything we we should be doing. I think we've done very little, believe it or not. The idea, at least partially after 9-11, was let's just spy on everybody. And there were a lot of power grabs and a lot of wrong ideology, especially with the Patriot Act. That was wrong. It was wrong. It gave prosecutors a whole lot of authority to use it against American citizens for things that didn't have anything to do with terrorism. And they did in many cases. That was the wrong approach. The right approach is profiling. That's part that that's to stop future terrorism. Yes, you need good intel, and yes, you can spy. Just get your wiretaps when it comes to this stuff. That's how you do it. All right, uh, let's get back to uh, some of your tweets and suggestions. Uh, Vika tweeting uh, at Doc Thompson Show. No, neither we nor Europe are doing what we need to do to stop terrorism. Neither of us are serious about border control. Ah, there's another another component of this. So if anus. The, the terrorist in Berlin that was shot. If he was traveling from Germany to France to Italy, how did he do it? Because they don't have that border control. So if Europe thought, as part of the European Union, they were going to be like the United States, where those states would be, those countries would be more like our states, they were doing it wrong. Well, if you know your history and the Articles of Confederation, the reason the article, the country failed and we ended up setting up a constitution was under the Articles of Confederation. The federal government was too weak. And people said, but we don't want a strong federal government because we end up like things that we've had in the past will be disastrous. Well, the failure of the European Union was to get it right. The balance of power between those states or countries in their case and the central government. You have to have the right amount of power and power balance doing the right things. And in this regard... 
they didn't have enough teeth. The, the central government, the European Union. So if you are traveling through a country like France that has been victimized by this and the local authorities, the state authorities are like, whoa, what's going on? They're unable to stop it. They don't have that level of control. And to your point, Vika, no, we're not serious about border control for our country. We're not. Of course we're not. And at this point, it is appropriate, needed, uh, our duty to remind those members of Congress and the president-elect, secure the border. We have no idea who's here. That is, that's another component of it. Secure the border. Know who's here. My, I'm regularly heard on the Blaze Radio Network before this program. Each morning, 6 to 9 a.m., uh, just go to theblaze.com and click on radio and you'll find all about it. But my producer in the morning is a gentleman by the name of Cal who happens to be Muslim. He's an American. He went to a Catholic high school. He's Muslim. He practices his faith. And he's as conservative and right-minded as I am or you are. And we talked about this this morning a little bit. And one of his suggestions was, how about this? How about when people come to America, we make them here on a trial period, which we do kind of anyways if you have a green card. He said where we, they're on a, it's, it's, a more of a, it's looked at more of a probationary period where we scrutinize you and you got to check in. And if you're from certain parts of the world where terrorism is more common at this point, then they are scrutinized more. That seems pretty reasonable, doesn't it? That's not infringing the personal freedoms of American citizens, is it? And aren't you still protecting or doing more to protect, protect American citizens with intel? Sure. That's an easy one. That's a guy who's Muslim and has been profiled himself and has difficulties with people blanket statementing all Muslims. That seems pretty reasonable to me. And I got news. A hundred years from now, the people that are responsible for threatening America could be from a different part of the world and a different faith. At one time, we scrutinized the Japanese that way because they had attacked America. These things change. It's not based on the Islamic faith. Now, I know you're going, wait a minute, Doc. It is about Islam. If Islam has a problem, that's fine. If you believe that, that's fine as well. That's, that's for them to take care of. But the problem, even if it is Islam or they have a problem, is not responsible directly for the terrorist attacks by Anas, uh, Anas or any of these other people. They're doing it. There are more Muslims around the world that are not committing terrorist acts than not. Can they be radicalized? Sure. Have they done horrible things at times? Absolutely. But I say this because this is, this is important to get the balance right with this stuff. I just justified using logic and common sense profiling. So I have no problem with that. And it is radical Islamists that are responsible, in this case of Berlin, and the ones in, in, um, in France, Belgium, in America, a couple of them, the recent ones, by young male Islamic extremists. Absolutely. I'm calling it like it is. But like it is, is also not every Muslim is doing this. That's the thing I don't hear a lot of. Uh, Ron, uh, okay, uh, said at Doc Thompson, show on Twitter, extreme vetting, extreme profiling, logic. I'll give you that one. 
Steve sent me a link and reminded me of something that just happened. Obama detained, uh, dismantles the registry used to track Muslims and Arabs in America. And it's an article. If you didn't hear that, it's true. He's trying to screw us every way he can and dictate his authority beyond his term in office. So there was a 9-11 era rule that allowed them to create a registry of certain groups of people coming from certain places, Muslims, Arabs, as the tweeter put. They just dismantled that. They, ha- they actually haven't been using it for quite a while, but one of the architects of it is in the Obama administration, and they've indicated they would like to go back to that, especially with Trump's comments on Islam or like uh, Muslims coming to America. They dismantled it. So whether you agree with that or not, first of all, Obama's a jerk for doing that. Now, you have your authority. That's fine. You're president. I'm not saying you don't have the authority to do it. And number two, if you want to pardon a bunch of people on the door, uh, way out the door, I know that's standard procedure. But you know this is a cornerstone of Donald Trump's administration, at least national security and terrorism goes. You know he was likely going to use this. And by the way, he could still put this into place or get some pieces of it done. All you're doing is making it more difficult and being a jerk. You had your eight years to solve all of these problems in, Obama, in America, Obama, and you didn't do it. You didn't stop. You no, know, you didn't stop the, the, the Boston bombing. You didn't stop the San Bernardino ones. But you believe your ideas must be forced on Donald Trump. You know, maybe if there weren't any in America at that time, maybe. Maybe I may say, well, maybe he should put that into place so... He can hep out Donald. But as it stands, Obama didn't secure, nor did he protect America. Yet, he's forcing his failed plan on Donald Trump. That's a huge failure. Jeez, I can't wait for this guy to go. No, he's killing me here. I'm going to have a couple more weeks of that, by the way. I just, and you are too. All right, uh, Ben uh, Sniffin. Ben. Sn- oh, Burr Sniffin. Burr Sniffin. <laughs> I thought it was like uh, Ben Sniffin. I've been sniffing glue this morning. Uh, Burr Sniffin. Hashtag what I learned today at Doc Thompson Show. Those who give up freedom for security shall have neither. It's a difficult concept, especially when you're the one being attacked, but you're right. Danny Statuti. Tweeting at Doc Thompson Show, any politician that votes against securing our borders to protect the citizens should face instant recall. What did Obama fight for? And there it is. Uh, deplorable Noel. Uh, I got that one. Da, 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 da. Oh, okay. Here it is. Lori D. at Doc Thompson Show is enjoying saying anus a hundred times in 16 minutes to 6 million people on the Glenn Beck program. You know what, Lori? I am enjoying it. You're obviously a level one listener to the Morning Blaze and my uh, regular morning broadcast. I am enjoying saying it because you know what? He is anus in both name and actions. Let me get right, right? Okay. Let me get a break in back with your calls and tweets on the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program. Mercury. One, two, one, two, three, four. 
Glenn Beck Program. Hmm. Interesting, interesting, interesting. DM and DM tweeting at Doc Thompson Show. Be careful not to confuse your anuses at Doc Thompson Show. I knew a guy who did it, and it totally wrecked him. And uh, that does sound like a horrible thing. I'll be uh, extra vigilant to not do that. And then uh, somebody responded to him and me and said, wrecked him, hell damn near killed him. So I don't know where he's going with that, but uh, interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, get those tweets in. It's uh, at Doc Thompson Show. And uh, we got, uh, in fact, we just realized we're working on the phones here, so we get some calls coming up. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. If you would, uh, please go to theblaze.com and click on channels and follow my little page there. This morning on my radio program, I let the cat rout out of the bag. Told all kinds of tales about the company and things behind the scenes that I don't know if I was supposed to or allowed to tell, but I did anyways, and... Hopefully it'll work out for me in the new year. I mean, everyone's on vacation, so maybe they're not listening. So uh, maybe I get a pass that way. But if you want to know some of the things the company's been facing, um, some of the things Glenn's doing, uh, how solid the company is or not, or challenges, comings and goings and whatever, a whole lot of information towards the end of this morning's program. So if you go to theblaze.com, again, click on my channel, Doc Thompson, uh, you can go through the podcast and hear it. We are moving the Blaze Radio Network and the tech stuff, the final remnants of the tech portion of it out of New York City is one of the pieces. And that is going on right now. And as of January 3rd, when everybody's back full-time in, all of the tech will be completely routed through Mercury Studios in Dallas now, which is, I cannot tell you what a wonderful development that is because it has stopped us from doing so many things and has caused so many problems So the short version is this. Up until right now, well, let's say January 3rd, up until January 3rd, the coming January 3rd, I have not been able to start to change any of the things on my program or the network or anything that that we want to change for the better. We haven't been able to. It's just hands completely tied because of the tech stuff and other stuff. We just cannot do it. So as of the, the beginning of the year, we can finally start to put the pieces in place and grow like crazy. And the good news is everybody's just in the position to grow now after a long, hard battle. And the reason I'm sharing that with you now is because if you do follow my page, there's going to be all kinds of opportunities for you at the first of the year. All kinds of opportunities for you to grow businesses and useful information. It's all about helping you. You will not be sorry. So please follow my page. It'll take a couple of weeks to roll out before we start putting it up there. And then it's gold. It's all golden. So blaze.com and click on channels and Doc Thompson. About 70 members of the New Mexico Department of Health became sick at its holiday party. Uh, yes, 70 members of the New Mexico Department of Health became sick at its holiday party. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're the Department of Health, and you have a holiday party, and people get sick. Well, first of all, you're having a holiday party, so you're doing it wrong. If you're having a holiday party right now, you're doing it wrong. It's a Christmas party, but okay. And you're the Department of Health, and some people get sick. Does that instill a lot of confidence in you, New Mexicoans? New Mexicans? 
No, I mean, if your Department of Health that's responsible for monitoring health and regulating health in the state, does it instill you with a lot of confidence if they can't even monitor the health of their own employees at a Christmas party? So they're rolling into your business and saying, oh, we got to make sure you're doing things this way, that way. Uh, We're uh, investigating, we're researching, we're making sure restaurants or whatever else are doing what they're supposed to do, make sure everything's as healthy. Oops, our people are sick. So they had about 200 people at a catered luncheon in Santa Fe, which is the capital. And about 70 of the 200 ended up with what they called gastrointestinal issues after the luncheon. So you know what that means. Right? At best, that's what it was. They say investigators have not yet identified the specific food from the party that may have caused the outbreak. So there's another level of failure. (laughs) They say, we know they got sick at the holiday party, and we're the Department of Health that's responsible for testing and investigating these things. And when they got sick at our party, we still haven't been able to determine what it was that caused the problem. Well, that's just swell. Let's go ahead and build up the government even more. In fact, you New Mexicans, send even more money to the government. Demand your taxes be raised so you can give them more money to do more good. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. It's Doc Thompson in for Glenn Beck. Thanks for joining me. If you want to join the program, it's 888-727-BECK or at Doc Thompson Show on Twitter is probably the best way to reach me. We've actually got a uh, terrorist situation unfolding right now. Um, it's stabilized and nobody has been injured at this point, but it is a standoff. The way we understand it, um, some hijackers, possibly as few as two, diverted a Libyan commercial plane to the island nation of Malta, which is only about 300 miles or so from Tripoli. They, it was diverted there by some people who are described as pro-Gaddafi, like Muammar Gaddafi, the longtime dictator of, of Libya. They're pro-Gaddafi. On the plane... 111 passengers. The gentleman had hand grenades. And by gentlemen, I mean dirt bags. Had hand grenades. Threatened to blow up the plane. Skyjacked it. Ended up flying to Malta. 
Once it landed, they began intense negotiations. It was pretty stressful, pretty traumatizing um, to a lot of people because, you know, your life's on the line. 75 passengers were allowed to leave. And then, a little while later, they negotiated the release of about 42 to 44 more. At this point, we're unsure exactly how many people remain as hostages on the plane, but there are some. Well, they have the crew members, and then they have what could be a couple of other passengers. And how'd you like to be those guys? No, I mean, it's bad enough to be in that situation, but you're like, oh, so I'm the guy that has to stick around. That's just swell. Everything's going wrong today. First, I get up late for work, and I go through the extra security at the airport. I forgot my charger, and now I'm the one that has to stay behind. Everybody else gets off the plane. Now, usually in those cases, maybe not so much in this case, but back in the day, skyjacking, uh, if, if you were one of the ones that, uh, that were left behind, you were usually Jewish and secondarily American. Those are the ones who they kept because you were the ones they wanted to punish most. Skyjacking? What kind of terrorists are these? That's not the world we live in now. This is so 80s. This is so 1970s. I just want you to know. Nobody skyjacks anymore. It's trucks, baby. No, it's not even truck bombs. It's trucks. Trucks is a weapon. Apparently, these knuckleheads didn't get the memo. You hijack a truck and you run it through a crowded place. Goofs. So at this point, there is still a standoff with the hijackers and authorities in Malta over those other crew members. Of course, we wish them the uh, the best, and we hope this ends up with uh, everybody being safe. It's interesting because they said they're pro Qaddafi, which the Qaddafi's gone; he's dead. Do you remember? Right, he's dead. So I'm like pro Gaddafi. Okay, that just means they supported him, and it's still people ideologically as a group that you know look to him as their their martyr. But Gaddafi also has kids. Yeah. There was one report that came out. It's unsubstantiated so far, but that one of the hijackers not only told the crew that he was pro Gaddafi, but that their demands may have been that one of Gaddafi's sons be released from prison. You know, I never even thought about that. So this jack wagon Gaddafi has kids in prison. And imagine if they let this guy out. Do you think they want to let him? Okay, we demand that you let him out of prison so then we can move to all move to the suburbs and live a nice, quiet life. That's all we want. Just let him out so we can go about our nice, quiet, peaceful lives. He's going to be a florist. I'm going to be a chef. This guy over here is going to be an engineer. That's all we're going to do. No, they want him out so the guy can be a terrorist or at least a dictator. Those things are not mutually exclusive, as we know. This is particularly frustrating when I hear Gaddafi's name come up. Because America's dealings with Muammar Gaddafi could be the poster child for our failures in the Middle East, our failures in dealing with terrorism, our failures with foreign policy. In fact... We're treating 
the situation in Syria, not all that dissimilar. Because <laughs> we do the same things. And it's always a failure. What do we do? We take bad dudes, dictators, terrorists in many cases. And we say, hey, hey, that guy's got to go. He's not pro-American enough. And we overthrow the regime. Indirectly, most of the time. Or we support the opposition, backing them so they can overthrow them, right? Right. Or in some cases, when we say that guy's not pro-American enough, we say, we need you to be more pro-American. And he says, hell no. And we say, here's a bunch of money. And he says, I'm more pro-American. He's not actually more pro-American, but he says he is. So it looks good on the TV. Or if he doesn't and that new regime comes in, then they're more pro-American, or they say they're more pro-American. And that's it. In some cases, they are more pro-American, but very few are like, we believe in America, we believe in the same values, free markets, personal freedoms, personal responsibility, these things. It's just them getting to be a dictator on some level, as long as they don't cross certain lines. And then we look the other way. That's it. That's a little bit of that giving up some personal freedom and certainly some treasure for temporary safety. We've done it in the Middle East for decades in various countries, propping up regimes. And Muammar Gaddafi is a perfect example. Not all that dissimilar than Assad. They're our friend. They're not our friend. They're our friend. They're not our friend. They're our friend. They're not our friend. Osama bin Laden was our wink-wink friend for a while. Sure, absolutely. He was our friend for a while. And then he wasn't our friend, and everyone was like, well, he's not our friend anymore, and wow, now he's fighting against us, and up oh, 9-11. Muammar Gaddafi abused his own citizens like dictators always do. Living in the lap of luxury while strangling the country, and they lived in poverty. Raping and torturing and killing people. He is even likely responsible for the Lockerbie bombing. The flight over Lockerbie, Scotland, where Americans died. He was likely in league with terrorists that were responsible for the bombing of the Marine barracks in Lebanon. All of these things. And then at some point, he became our friend. Well, he helped us fight the war on terror. Do you remember that, 9-11? Do you remember when they literally one day came out and said, he's our friend now? They are are so used to playing this game with us. By they, I mean the the dirtbag beltway insiders in D.C., the politician class, the elitists. They are so used to playing this game and manipulating us. That they just threw it out there and everybody went, oh, okay, he's our friend now. There was not even a grace period of like, okay, there's like 15 years of him. Like, okay, he's doing a little bit better. Six months of, okay, he's he's going to counseling now. He seems to be better. You know, he's gotten some help. He's in rehab. Yeah, we didn't even get the bullcrap celebrity excuse. You know, a celebrity like steals from a charity or something and they go to rehab. 
You're like, what are you going to rehab for? For your addiction to stealing from charities? No, I'm going to drug rehab. Do you have a drug problem? No, but I'm going to rehab. <laughs> you know that bullcrap thing? We didn't even get that. They literally just came out and said, he's a good guy now because he has been helping us fight the war on terrorism. And then the U.N., the pathetic, impotent dirtbags at the U.N. said, we're going to put him on the Human Rights Council. Muammar Gaddafi. You remember the Marine barracks I just told you about? And the Lockerbie bombing and the raping and killing his own people and starving them and living in the lap of like Human Rights Council. The very Human Rights Council that dictates to the entire world what are and what are not human rights violations and suggests that they clean up their acts, including preaching to America about our human rights violations. Well, I guarantee you the worst places in America where people are having their human rights as the U.N. defines them violated are still worlds better than the best-case scenarios under Muammar Gaddafi. And then, at some point, this standard-bearer for human rights, Muammar Gaddafi, became a bad guy again. And we had to go in and kill him. (laughs) That's where we are. So now his son's there. So I don't know. Son a good guy or a bad guy? I mean, he's likely going to be, um, you know, similar to his father. The pro-Gaddafi people, if they're backing him, are backing him likely because it's similar ideology. I just don't know if he's a good guy or bad guy today. Who knows? America could come out. Obama could come out right now and go, you know, yeah, these two hijackers there, they're, they're hijacking to get Muammar Gaddafi's son out of jail. Muammar Gaddafi's such a good guy, and so is his son. Well, we can't condone the hijacking of the plane. We're going to go ahead and back them. That's what we do. So if you want to understand Syria, Assad, and all of that, it's the same old, same old. Obama has back and forth waffled on on Assad. John Kerry had dinner with the dude a few years ago. That was when he was a swell guy. He and Teresa having dinner, Assad. So what's the solution? What's the solution? Hold them accountable, all of them. A strong leader that says when it comes to terrorism, we will secure the borders and we will profile based on things that look out of place. Not simply because you are a race or a religion, but because you are out of place in certain scenarios. And we will use that one out of placeness to just pay it a little more attention and then we'll start adding them up. Is there something else out of place? Something else out of place? Okay, now we're investigating. We will share intel and information. We will stop spying on American citizens. And focus our efforts elsewhere after having secured the border. We will make a strong foreign policy statement that says, with our friends, we will stand and we will be faithful and loyal and help them better their lives and their financial situation and help them stand uh, vigilant against terrorists and people that seek to do them harm. And then we act on it. We stop nation building instead of saying, if you follow our lead, assuming we get our act together, If you follow our lead based on a constitution that protects personal freedoms and free markets and demands personal responsibility, if you follow our lead, you'll be fine. 
you'll do well because that's what we did. And that's what got us to here. And we don't have those same struggles with dictators like Muammar Gaddafi. We don't have to worry about that. So follow our lead. Do it. Be our friend and we'll stand with you. If you are not our friend, if you just don't care either way, fine. Just stay out of our way. And if you're not our friend and you stand against us, it's going to be trouble. And in a nice way, you state that and make sure they know it. Then stand by your word. That's it. That's, that's the big picture. Of course, there's many specifics to it. We stop paying people to be our friends and say, if you are a friend, you will be our friend. Friends treat each other well. Friends don't sponsor terrorism against us. Friends communicate. We discuss. We think well of each other. We give each other the benefit of the doubt. If a friend comes to you and says something versus a person you don't know, a stranger, or an enemy that says the same questionable thing, wait a minute, did he threaten me there? With the friend, you're going to go, oh, he's a friend. He didn't obviously mean that. Even if he did, you give him the benefit of the doubt up front, right? Oh, oh, oh. But the stranger, the enemy, you come to it from a different position. That's what it's about. That's the solution. All right, uh, phone lines coming up. We'll also get those tweets at Doc Thompson Show. I have something wonderful to play for you in a couple of minutes, and I want to open up the phone lines and ask, at this time of the year as we head into Christmas weekend, what have people done for you in the last year or so that has really moved you or been an impact in your life? What have people done for you? Not what you've done for, for other people. But I want you to share something nice that somebody did for you. I think we could use that right now. And I'd like to hear the stories. I'm ready for Christmas. I'm ready for the spirit of Christmas. So what nice things have people done for you? Maybe it was anonymous. Maybe it's the, somebody you know. But if you would, please share that story with me. The number is 888-727-BECK. That's 888-727-BECK or Tweet at the program. It's at Doc Thompson Show, and I'll share them on the air that way as well. Doc Thompson in on the Glenn Beck program. Glenn Beck program. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. Mercury. Interesting how that works. Now I'm going through the, the tweets here with uh, about things I've had on the show so far. People have learned some things as well. At, uh, let's see, Mike in upstate New York, he said, uh, if someone makes it onto a terrorism watch list, perhaps that person should be watched more carefully. Yes, that's right, Mike. That is part of the Doc Thompson plan. <laughs> you should be watched more carefully if you're on a watch list. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's also called the common sense plan as well. (laughs) Only in government do you get people screwing such things up. Randy Clower at Doc Thompson Show. Why do we call them liberals instead of communists? We need to call it like it is. You know what, Randy? Thank you. Thank you for calling me out on that one. 
They really are. They really are. The only addendum to that, I would say, is in today's world, until we train people to understand what we're talking about, for effective communication, if I say communist, people automatically think to communist regimes current or past. You don't think American communists. And if you do think American communists, you think people registered as part of the Communist Party. So as long as we can start educating people what, we're, you know, what we mean by that so there's no confusion, I'm with you 100%, Randy. Very good. Justin Branchaud uh, tweeted, hashtag what I learned today. The New Mexico Department of Health took a page out of the New Mexico VA playbook. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Apparently, the New Mexico Board of Health is just as effective as the New Mexico Veterans Administration. Then somebody named uh, at Doc Thompson Show tweeted, at least the New Mexico Department of Health is better than the old Mexico Department of Health. (laughs) I mean, they are better. I mean, I haven't done the research, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to them. If they're not, then it's I'm just going to assume that they're better than the old Mexico Department of Health. And then Mike, who's uh, helping to spin the dials radio style today, said, Doc, you're right about that, about nobody hijacks anymore, skyjacks anymore. And I was like, you're right. This would be the equivalent of robbing stagecoaches today. What are you doing? It's all about the trucks, baby. The big trucks. Go get them. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Doc Thompson in for Glenn today. Yesterday, while surfing around, I heard that music. I found a video of a person singing that song. And the girl you just heard is 10. Beautiful voice. Her version of that song has gone viral, too, on just Facebook I believe almost 2 million hits. And it's a beautiful song. And she does a beautiful job. But when you know the rest of the story, it makes it even more powerful. She is a 10-year-old girl from Ireland. She has autism and ADHD. And she struggled... In school, as a lot of children do that have ADHD or autism. She started school at uh, Killard House. This is a school in, in Ireland. And she was so shy as partially, at least, a result of her autism that she was unable to even really speak in class. I mean, she you know, wouldn't stand up in class and give any type of oral report or discuss things. She was that 
alone. And she started singing. She joined their choir. And her parents said it started doing her good. They started noticing the benefits, how it was helping her. And we've seen that before when you have children with, if it's ADHD, autism, different things, how finding something that they're good at, that is a gift they have, something that interests them, that you can break through sometimes. Autism is a very lonely condition, very lonely, because the child or person is, is withdrawn. They often don't want to be touched. They're, they're alone. They're, they're trapped. They're socially awkward as part of it. So finding something that they're good at or that they have a passion in is really important. That's sometimes the gateway to get through to them. And singing has helped her immensely. To the point that she stood up and gave a solo performance. Now she's backed up by the rest of the choir on the hallelujah part. But she's standing alone by herself out in front of all of them. And when you hear her voice, you're going to realize what her gift is. Again, this is a 10-year-old girl with autism and ADHD singing hallelujah. Listen to this. Savior, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
She's 10. She has autism. Wouldn't even speak in front of class. Wouldn't, wouldn't talk to anybody when she started the school. And not only was she able to stand and do that and do it so well, that her parents said that it's helped her. And she has been thrilled to see how many people have, have watched this online. I think on Facebook, it's just shy of 2 million now. I posted it to the Blaze's Facebook page. It's just the facebook.com slash the Blaze. And I did it to mine as well, facebook.com slash Doc Thompson Show. And I posted it out on Twitter as well. I say maybe we get a few more million hits for her. I think that would probably be pretty nice. I tend to believe that everybody, no matter how much you struggle, no matter what difficulties you have, no matter how little you have to offer, that everybody has a talent or talents, that everybody has something that they do very well. May not be easily recognizable. Maybe they never pursue it. Maybe it's hidden their entire life, but everybody gets certain gifts from God. Certain gifts that can be used to help other people. Despite what her struggles have been, and despite what her parents' struggles have been, I think we all recognize one of her gifts. It's Doc Thompson on the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. So help me if I find out this is a fake news story. If I find out this is fake news, that may be the thing that finally pushes me over the edge. <laughs> that I don't think I could take it if I find out that this is a fake news one. Well, we had the question about the, the Santa Claus, the, uh, when the kid who died in Santa Claus's arms. Remember we had that story earlier and then there was a question, is it fake news? And they said, no, it's not fake news. And it was fake news and it wasn't fake news. And I'm not sure I ever fully understood. If I find out this one is, this is where I, um, I just hang it all up and I move to a cabin in the woods somewhere all alone, never to speak to anybody else. I don't think I can handle this one. It has been a particularly rough year for me. A lot of people had a rough year, really rough year with Multiple deaths in the family, including my father, and uh, some struggles at work, which I talked about on my show this morning, and just about every other aspect of my life, it's been difficult. Now, I'm not saying that uh, for sympathy. I'm just letting you know it's been a real struggle, arguably the worst year of my life. It's been pretty awful. And over the past couple of weeks, knowing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel because the new year is coming, not just because it's the new year, but that actually is... Uh, what a bunch of change is going to happen. A bunch of good things happening here at the company that we've been waiting for and so on and so forth. So that's been great. 
But when I stumbled across this video last night of this little girl singing, first of all, it was beautiful. And then second of all, reading her story, she was my, she has been my Christmas miracle. It's a small one, but it is. It's a bit of a miracle for her and her family and what they're, you know, experiencing now and how this has helped her. And it's been a bit of a a Christmas miracle for me because I simply cannot hear her sing that song without tearing up. And it, in a matter of about 60 seconds last night, brought a whole bunch of my struggle with faith on top of all the other problems for the last year back very quickly. In a matter of (laughs) 60 seconds, I was getting the whole picture again. It's pretty amazing. So here you get this little girl in Ireland who struggles like this and busts out a song and has no idea that she's going to touch and help people all around the world. And me, struggling for an entire year in 60 seconds, brings a whole lot of my faith back. Absolutely amazing. The Lord does work in mysterious ways. Tom, uh, what is that? Dart tweeting at Doc Thompson Show. Man, it's dusty in here all of the sudden. Wow. I, and you know, Tom, I think it's all of the construction here at the Mercury Studios Dallas that is, uh, is uh, causing all of the dust in here as well. We got Todd Crown at Doc Thompson Show. Moved to tears. What an amazing voice. I hope you mean hers and not mine. I think I do. Yeah, he might be my amazing voice. You know what, Todd? I'm going to assume you mean both of us. How about that? The Steve 242, apparently at Doc Thompson Show, is obsessed with making people cry today. I don't know, obsessed. I don't know. I would say doing the job. I mean, you've come to expect certain things from this radio program. It's the Glenn Beck program. You expect the, the host to break down and cry every so often. I have done that. It's on the checklist. You expect uh, the host to make the uh, audience cry every so checklist. You expect a uh, pudgy, pasty white guy the checklist done. Good. Yeah, like uh, two months ago, I could uh, poke the poke fun at Glenn a little bit for putting on a couple of pounds, but not anymore because uh, I put on a couple pounds myself. Okay, we got uh, David tweeting at Doc Thompson Show. That song filled my heart with joy and love for her. Goosebumps. Libertarian tweeting at Doc Thompson Show. People have such a misconception about autism. They picture Rain Man, but it's so much more nuanced and subtle than that. You're right. Um, it's, it can be a very lonely. It's very difficult for the people that, that love the child or the, the person who's become an adult having lived with autism. It's difficult for them. And all you want to do is help, but nobody knows how to fully help. We can help in little ways and do whatever. Um, and we know music at times helps as well. It's gotten through to, to people. But um, finding that gift, that's, that's really important. All right. Uh, we do have some of your calls coming up. It's uh, 888-727-BECK or tweet at Doc Thompson Show. So I want to talk a little bit about something nice that somebody's done for you. What has somebody done nice for you in the last year that really made a difference? Maybe it was one of those subtle things. I find that at times, sometimes a very small little gesture not even a big effort or expensive or time-consuming, something very small, timed right, has done me a world of good, something that I really appreciate. So I want to hear from you. Not what you've done for somebody, but at this time of year, what has somebody done for you? Maybe something that was selfless. 
Your call's next. Doc Thompson on the Glenn Beck Program. Christmas and happy holidays. It's Doc Thompson in for Glenn Beck today. On Twitter, it's at Doc Thompson Show. Please follow me there. If you want to find out more about me, go to theblaze.com and click on channels and follow my page there. Lots of good stuff going to be coming right after the first of the year at that channel as well, so you'll be prepared for it. I'm, I'm not sure, but I may have just given the Heil Hitler sign to one of our uh, Jewish managers. I may have just done that on accident. Now, I, <laughs> I walked out of the studio during the break to try to regroup after the little uh, girl singing the song, hallelujah. And I was just kind of standing in the doorway of the studio and tired. I'm scratching the back of my head, you know, kind of arm up like, oh, like this. And I saw him walk down the hall way far, and I was like, hi. And uh, in the mid-scratch, the back of my head, my hand just went up from that point to do a long distance, like, hi, hi, like, do it right now. Scratch it back your head, and then from, like, kind of shoot it off the top, uh, from the back to the top of your head, like, hi, like you're saying, hi. what is that, right? And I was like, oh, he did have kind of an odd look, because that's what I first realized, that he had kind of an odd look on his face as he headed across the hallway into another office. I was like, that was kind of a, oh, did I just give him the Heil Hitler? I think I may have. I think there's going to be an explanation necessary as soon as I get off the air. Hmm. All right. Let me get to uh, some calls. Oh, you know what I want to do first of all? I want to go to our celebrity chef, Patrick Mosier, who has uh, graciously agreed to join me. I know he's got a lot going on as he's heading into the holidays, but he's our food biz pro with some ideas on how you can, um, you know, in your personal life, make your cooking experience better or in a professional life or even in a business opportunity in the future. Hey, Patrick, how are you? Good morning and Merry Christmas, Doc. How are you? Doing well, sir. Um, you also do consulting work, right? I do. I do. So if people Just wanted to, they said, hey, I think I kind of uh, I could learn something. Uh, could, maybe that guy can help my business out, something like this. Uh, how would they find you? Uh, you can go to the website, which is foodbizpro.com, and okay. register there, and it'll give me an email, and I'll call you back. And there's a place you can put in your primary concern or area of uh, area of business you want to address and we'll get right back to you, you so four hours but my not. primary concern is i have like a lot of huge rats in my restaurant um you know is that a problem 
Well, depending on what country you're in, yeah. <laughs> depending on what country you're in, it could be great. It could be horrible. Yeah. You know and what? what you're I... serving. If you're serving rat for dinner, then you, know, you have a very good food source. No right. is necessary. You're going to need more information on that one, right? <laughs> yeah, a little, a little. I, I think it's time to call in a professional. I think you call in the exterminator first, then you call me the next day. <laughs> right, that's a good call. So, uh, Patrick, I was thinking about the holidays, and I was like, you know, we tend to do the same stuff um, around the holidays. Some people do, like, Christmas Eve celebrations. Some people do Christmas Day. Some do other celebrations, maybe with their holidays. And I thought about, like, some of the – maybe some different twists that people could do. Might be a fun topic to give them some ideas. But before we get to that, I need some hep. Okay. I need you to hep me. I'm ready uh, be- be- Hep me out. Before Thanksgiving, I had you on this program, and we did some failures and we did some successes. And one of the things you made, which is still – in back of my head constantly, is the lobster tail stuffed te- beef tenderloin. Yeah. And I need you to do a quick run-through because I think I'm making that on Christmas Day. I think I'm going to well, try this. Okay. So give me it's the basic, basic rundown. Okay. It's a, it's a whole tenderloin, and uh, you, you basically butterfly you gotta, it out, which is... Yeah, wait, well, hang on a second. Well, you got to, yeah. folks, if you've never worked with a tenderloin before, you have to clean it, <laughs> meaning you have to take that, that thin layer off of... What is that? Yeah, so there's, there's a little bit of fat on the outside, which pulls off yeah. with your fingers. There's, there's a string of attached muscle on one side or the other. Okay, that's called the chain. That pulls right off as well. So and then there's that, that very thin membrane that's, that's kind of the silver one. blue. It's that's the silver. bastard right there that I that's can never deal with. The rest of it just melts away, but you've got to take off what's called the silver skin. Yeah, that's the one I always do. So you take that off, and then you butterfly. I mean, you just cut it lengthwise down the middle? Correct, about mm, three-fourths of the way through it, and just kind of open it up. Okay, that's simple ski. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, that's pretty straightforward. Right. And then in a very basic, the, the easiest recipe is to take um, plain old button mushrooms, okay. chop them up very finely, and saute them in a bunch of butter. So real fine, though. Real chop them real fine and in yeah, butter. Yeah, very fine. Very like, you know, sixteenth of an inch fine. Salt, pepper, garlic at that point with the butter? Salt, pepper, garlic, maybe some shallot or onion, whatever you have handy. Garlic, okay. if you don't have uh, garlic or garlic... Or fresh onion, just garlic powder and onion powder work just fine. Okay. And you saute that till it's kind of brown and really mm. golden. Um, mm. And then let that cool, and you wipe that into What's the a chef's onion. favorite color? What's a chef's favorite color? Golden brown. There it, it better is. be golden brown or you're in the wrong industry. <laughs> okay, very good. Okay, I'm sorry. So it's golden kill, brown, then what do you do? Kill green, apparently. Kill green. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you spread that about, oh, eighth of an inch thick inside of the tenderloin. Mm-hmm. Um, leaving about an inch on either side. And then you can buy um, cooked lobster tails and ask okay. your, your, at the seafood counter, ask them to shell them for you. Mm-hmm. And you put them end-to-end inside of the lobster tail. And you have to overlap the a little inside bit. Inside the tenderloin. So I yeah. start with the head end, the fat end, towards the fat end of the, of the tenderloin. Okay. And then lay the other one kind of halfway overlapping with the skinny end over the skinny end. Okay, so, so, so you don't have any holes in it there, right? Exactly. And that way everybody gets the same amount of lobster and nobody's upset. You know, no children aren't feeling like they're left out or left right. loved. Yeah. All right. And, okay, so once I got that's that. done, then you kind of roll the whole thing up and tie it every two inches with a piece of butcher's twine. And that's it? That's all you do? Do you, do you it's salt, pepper, that's garlic the outside or anything? Or? Yeah, salt, pepper, okay. garlic, olive oil on the outside. Okay. And that's, that's it. That's the simplest version. And it, that's 90% pretty much what I did on the show. Okay, and then you just bake that. You just bake it for correct. You bake it, bake it at like three seventy five. Okay, um, takes about twenty to twenty five, maybe thirty minutes, depending on how rare you want it. 
Okay, good. Now, now, if you are using fresh lobster tail, you got to cook those a little bit through, though, right? If you, yes, if you take them out of the shell yourself. Straight. All okay. right, so I take a skewer and stick it down between the shell on the bottom side where the little uh, ribs are, between the uh-huh. shell and the meat. Stick the skewer in there and then throw them into boiling water for three minutes. Pull them out, put them in ice water to stop the cooking, and that way you have a nice straight tail. Okay, yeah, because having a nice straight tail is really important. Everybody write that down. That's something I learned today. <laughs> well, it's uh, kind of hard to lay them end-to-end inside of there. You, <laughs> I don't, mean, you I don't, don't have a straight lobster tail. <laughs> so we, you put them in there, because I'm going to try that. And, and, folks, the reason I bring this up is everybody around here flipped for that. And you think, okay, it's a surf and turf, Doc. I'll make the tenderloin and I'll make them separate. I don't know what it was with the mushrooms and the garlic and them, them being together was sensational. So I think I'm going to do that. Well, if you put, so I'll give you one more, one more. I wasn't going to tell you this is what the secret ingredient is, bacon or pancetta. If you saute bacon Mm. and then take it out, then do your mushrooms, add it all back together afterwards, it it takes it to a whole nother level. You know, I've I've heard that the the secret ingredient is the L word, not love, but lard. I've heard that. (laughs) Right? Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> I, I think I, I got in trouble last time I said that on the air. <laughs> no, it is true. No, it is absolutely. In fact, I think it's on uh, the Big Bang Theory where Sheldon's mom says, listen, if you want a man to love you, cook with a lot of lard. He'll die at 50, <laughs> but his love will be true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I want to tell you something about cooking with real animal fat. There really is not a good substitute. Oh, French it's... fries cooked in duck fat are possibly the best thing on the earth. Oh, and yeah. I was just in Rochester, um, and I went to this place, McCann's uh, Local Meats. Kevin McCann is the owner there. Mm-hmm. And they take all of their beef trimmings and render the fat out, and that's what they cook their french fries in. Oh. oh it's unbelievable. That sounds I mean, awesome. I, I don't think I've ever had french fries like that. I, you know, I, I used potato skins the other day. I was peeling potatoes, and I haven't come off all the you know, potato. And I'm like, why am I throwing these away? I had to make mashed potatoes so they weren't mashing up right. So I'm like, let me throw these in a pan and fry them up. So I slowly fried them in bacon grease, a little bacon grease, and then salt and pepper. And they're so thin, and that skin is kind of um, uh, like like tissue papery almost. You know, it's a little different. It was sensational. My wife is like, this is possibly the greatest thing you've ever made. I said, it's potatoes and bacon fat. She goes, I know. It's the best. I'm like, okay, good. Good to know. Good Did to they know. get nice and crispy? Yeah, they did. So, like, the, the skins get kind of crispy because of that. It's like a tissue paper type. Mm-hmm. But there's a little bit of potato in there, so it's a, just a little hint of chew there, or, or like a potato French fry consistency. Mm. And they are great. Oh, my gosh, are they good. What if you then couple I just, that up over the next time you roast some Brussels sprouts when you serve them? Oh, I do like the roast uh, yeah, Brussels sprouts. Like Those are awesome. Yeah. Okay, so give me some fun uh, differences. Maybe, you know, people have buffets or something for Christmas or Christmas Eve. Give me some variations on a theme or some wild cards they could throw in there that would be really interesting. Well, you know, I do a lot of catering, obviously. And um, we talked before about people are looking more for the experience, not just the food. And what a, what a, there's not a better way to give that to someone during the holidays than to make your buffet a little more interactive. So you can do simple things like a mashed potato bar. Instead of just the plain old whipped mashed potatoes, what if you put the butter, the sour cream, the chive, um, bacon, um, the shredded cheese on the side and let people add that in as they want? Um, that's I've, not new. It's been around for a while, but I don't think people think about that for the holidays. No, you're right. And I went to a, one wedding that had that one time, and it was all appetizer wedding. It wasn't a sit-down. So they, they really went larger on the appetizers and that type of experience. And it went over so well. People loved it. And 
I think what you can do then, too, is um, expand the, in, the toppings and ingredients. So maybe you put, mm-hmm. you know, a chopped broccoli or something like that or whatever it is you think you'd want to do. You could put meats in with it. You could do a chopped chicken. You know, then it's like a, a loaded Absolutely. baked potato or something, right? Well, and then you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, Aunt, Aunt uh, Edna can't have dairy. So then you put a butter substitute next to it and just label the dishes. I say she does without. If you can't have butter, then just move on. Just, you know. Hey, I, I was a big fan of, uh, <laughs> of uh, yeah, many, Margarine. many French cooking shows. So everything is better oh. with butter. And if it's not, you don't need to eat it. That is true. I'm so, it's right. I'd rather do without. I can't believe it's not butter. I can. <laughs> I can. I can absolutely. It's a fine product, no but I can believe it's not butter. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Parquet. <laughs> you, you know, besides mashed potatoes, you can do um, some alternative mashups like celeriac, which is celery root, um, and potatoes or apples. Something oh, okay. For the holidays. It's a little. So, what would, how would you? What do you? How would you put that together? What do you mean? It's like a like yeah, as a bar is the main. No, just just as a plain. Um, yeah, you could put the, the the condiments on the side, just like you would for the mashed potatoes. Okay. But it's just something different. It's a unique flavor. You know, I've had uh, family members do parsnip and pear puree when I was a kid. Mm. And you you basically simmer those in white wine and stock, and then drain them off and puree it up. Oh, and is is that a side dish, almost like an applesauce That's, type thing? Yeah, no, it's it's actually more like a, by the by the time you get done, it's more like a mashed potato. But oh, it's okay. So delicious. The, there's kind of a bitterness to the parsnips and the sweetness of the pear, and you go ahead and put butter and a little bit of cream in there afterwards. Oh, it's unbelievable. You know, it's funny because parsnips are one of the few things that, that I don't really care for, and it's because it has uh, like a kind of a funky bitter taste to it, but I've never thought about mixing things with it. Yeah, like a soapy almost, yeah. Well, the key to that is if you buy them later in the winter when it's really cold and they're, and they're pulling them out of the cold ground, uh, they're not as soapy tasting. So, Interesting. You know, That's very, very cool. that luxury. So I like that. Um, what other things could people do as, uh, you know, as opposed to your traditional things, you know, kind of a wild card to make it fun? I like the idea, like you said, of making things more interactive so it's more of the experience. Any other buffet-type yeah. thingies? Or... Yeah, so, so you can do unconventional meats. We just talked about the uh, non-traditional Thanksgiving. and, and Listen, uh, I love unconditional place. meats. I mean, everyone knows I'm a... Um, the, like, unconventional meats, sure. Mm-hmm. Or some yeah. sort of stuffed pork loin. But what you can do with that is then you... you, you Slice that thinly, put it on a, on a carving board, and next to it put some fresh yeast rolls, maybe some cranberry uh, compote, horseradish cream sauce, those kind of things, and they can make their own sandwich. Oh, so, you're right. And I like what you're doing there, too, because, I mean, a lot of people get, like, cold cuts. And cold cuts are fine, absolutely. but if you want to turn it up a notch, you, you carve your own meat right there, right? I mean, you bake it yourself and you slice it off real thin. Um, so the quality... That's true. And it's real easy to do, but it's also the quality is going to be much better. And then, I mean, you've already turned it up a notch, and then you put all the different little sides. That's a, that's a good idea. Absolutely. And I like, I, I like charcuterie anyways, all the little things together. Oh, yeah. You know, the well, meats and cheeses. You know? and, and if you don't want to cook and you're just taking an appetizer to your friend or family's house, then you just go to your local butcher store or a great place that has charcuterie. Some of the larger grocery stores have that. And just have them make you a tray. It's one of the easiest, the easiest things to take. I don't know anyone who doesn't like that. Cheese and that's, meat, a, I mean. that's a great point. And you know what? Even if you want to make it yourself, that's something you can make up a day and a half ahead of time, depending on what your, your ingredients are. Fridge. That's really solid. And, and this time of the year, I mean, having things that you can make ahead of time saves so much headache. So much. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, do, let's go through a couple more here real quick. Okay. Um, Let me get, tell you what. If you have time, can I put you on hold for a second? Absolutely. Come back? Okay. 
Okay, we'll put you on hold. We'll come back, take a break, and I'll give you a few more things that you could do for the holidays. It's our uh, Food Biz Pro, Patrick Moser, the celebrity chef. Just go to foodbizpro.com for more info. Back in a minute with more on this, the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Hi there, it's Doc Thompson in for Glenn today. Uh, joining me is uh, celebrity chef Patrick Mosier. You can go to foodbizpro.com if you need consulting help at your business or you need some tips on things. And he's going to continue to populate his site with good information as well. It's foodbizpro.com. And some things that you can do around the holidays to kind of jazz it up and throw kind of an interesting wild card in there. So what else you got, Patrick? All right, what else we got here? If you're going to do a soup, instead of putting a big pot of soup out and having to wash some bowls later, you can do little shoot, soup shooters. Uh, just get a, another serving board. Like a syringe? Is that what you mean? Like your shooters, you just put them in a syringe and you're mainlining them? Is that, <laughs> is that what it is? No more like a shot. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like a yes. shot glass of them. I see. Yes, please continue. Yeah, I know that this is a, an industry full of addictive personalities, <laughs> but we're not going to go there today. <laughs> you know, you could use a small throwaway Christmas-themed you know, cups, mm-hmm. Dixie cups or something plastic. You put this, you know, put a couple of ounces of soup in there, a little dollop of creme fraiche or sour cream, a little chive on top. You know, what, mushrooms are all the rage right now, so there are plenty of recipes online for wild creamed mushroom soup, or you know, the traditional um, bisque of like different uh, favorite squashes, butternut squash. Yeah, something like that. Pumpkin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really good one. That's easy. It's also very user-friendly. They can just pick it up, drink it, and be done. No, well, this um, is what I was thinking. I was thinking if you, instead of putting the big bowl out so you have to wash them or if it's soup, how about just straws? How about you put the pot out and then just plastic straws? And those are disposable, you know. Yeah, kind of like know. a big hookah pipe, but not. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. By the way, uh, Glenn has one of those at his house. It's it a big eat. pot. It's just nonstop <laughs> soup. Uh, heavy cream soups, too. Anyway, sorry. What else do you got for us? Yeah, um... So I, I am not a fan of carving a hot turkey. It is not ever a very clean thing to do. It's hot. It burns your fingers, and I'm always the one that gets stuck doing it. So for the last 10 years or so, I've always – I don't have to do it this year, but uh, for the last 10 years, I've smoked one turkey the day before and let it chill in the refrigerator overnight. Interesting. And the next day, you pull the breast off, pull the legs off, and you shave and carve everything very neatly and just kind of layer it and shingle it on a platter. It, done, it not only looks beautiful, it's always the first one to go. It has always been gone before the hot turkey. Never fails. Now, do you leave it at room temperature or do you heat it? No, you leave it at room temperature. Once you carve it, you put it on the platter and you just leave mm-hmm. it out. The smoking kind of cures it. So for the two hours or three hours it's going to be out, there's no problem. Yeah, no, and that's fine. I was just wondering if, it, if people preferred, you know, if it's okay. But you're right, turkey, I mean, I eat cold, leftovers, room temperature, whatever. And then you have an opportunity to actually, you're right, position it on the plate so it's very bountiful and pretty. Mm-hmm. It's Interesting. Easy to you throw a little, you know, fresh rosemary right. on there. Go outside, cut them off your bush. Sounds good. All right, Patrick. We're going to wrap this up. I got to go, but uh, Merry Christmas, sir. Merry Thank Christmas, you for all your help this year. Thank you very much. It's been a good one. I appreciate it. All right. Enjoy. It's a celebrity chef Patrick Mosier. Find out more about him at foodbizpro.com. Foodbizpro.com. Back with more, and finally, we're going to get to your phone calls next. 
888-727-BECK. Doc Thompson on the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. I really like this bump music that Glenn plays during the holidays, uh, the little music you hear bumping in and out of commercial breaks. Uh, it's really solid stuff. Some I like more than others. I like this version a lot. Listen to this. I think you can get those at glennbeck.com. Pretty sure you can get the CDs there. And if not, just email them. <laughs> Tell them you want to be able to get them there. All right, to the phones we go. Sorry for making you wait. 888-727-BECK. Let's go to Tennessee now. And Susan, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Thank you very much, Doc. Merry Christmas and Merry Happy Christmas. New Year to you and your staff and your family. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, I wanted to thank you for what you're doing, uh, retweeting uh, people's business information to uh, your, your followers, because I think it's a wonderful thing you, you're offering to do. Thank you so much. And I've been doing a lot of that since uh, we did the free commercial program on Black Friday. Right. Uh, I just on, that. I yeah. My daughter tweeted and, and you retweeted a number of times. Yeah. And that's what I've been trying to do. And I know that's helped quite a bit. Here's the thing, Susan. Um, either they didn't hear that show, like Glenn didn't hear it or whatever, or they didn't care or something. I think it's probably didn't hear, but until they tell me not to, <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. So okay, well, everybody else good. benefits. I'll have tweet again later. <laughs> All right, Susan. Thanks so much. I appreciate you joining me. Yeah, make sure to follow me on social media, folks. It's only going to be good for you. Triple eight seven two seven back in the Buckeye State. Tina, what's going on in Ohio today? Hi. Um, I heard you talking about dyslexic uh, and autistic uh, autistic children or autism. Yes, ma'am. And I read a book called Disconnected Kids by Dr. Robert M E L I L L O who started this program called the Brain Balance Centers and he with a lot of research he has done he's determined that a lot of those um dis- disorders are caused by the different halves of the brain developing at different rates mm. and and he has a program that you it's with um determining which side is stronger and which side is weaker and doing um, some nutritional stuff, but exercises. And it's a really exciting approach to this issue and that people have actually been cured of autism. And um, so I just wanted to tell you, so if you, if you know people that have that, that maybe they could get this book and read it and see if it was something that can help them because you don't have to go to his centers. He made a book that you can do it yourself with your children. Well, Tina, what's, what's his name again and what's the book? The book is called Disconnected Kids, and his name is Dr. Robert Melillo, M-E-L-I-L-L-O. Excellent. And, and t- Tina, thank you so much. I appreciate the comments and the suggestion. Um, if, if you ever miss anything in this program, uh, you're like, I've got to find it or whatever, and we don't end up tweeting it out or whatever, you can just go to, um, to, the, to the playbacks. If you go to theblaze.com and click on radio, most of the programs are, are podcasted there somewhere, so you can go and listen to it anytime. Tina, Merry Christmas, okay? 
All right, let's go to um, Frederick in uh, Mississippi. How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm fine. How you doing? Doing well, sir. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. I just wanted to call in. I heard about y'all doing the uh, small business help, and uh, we have a company yeah. called the Envo Oyster Company. And the what? We make Wait a minute. The, the, the what oyster what? company? The what the oyster? Co- okay, gotcha. The Envo, mm-hmm. and we make a ceramic oyster shell. Uh, a ceramic shell designed for cooking and grilling oysters at home, so you don't have to shuck them. You just buy them by the pint. Oh, I see what you're saying there. Okay, how does that work? It's a time saver. It's uh, you know, people get oysters by the sack and have to come home and shuck them, and it's a big headache. And this is mm-hmm. you know a no mess kind of thing. You don't stab yourself with an oyster knife or anything like that. And so they they cook- the, the shells open once you cook them, right? So that's how you, you is that what it is? Well, if you if you get them in the shell, they open when they cook them. But if you just want to not do that at all and, and make oysters bienville or oh, oysters, I see what gotcha cellar. Oh, or okay. in any kind of oyster dish, you don't have to chuck anything. You just cook them with our shells. It's a ceramic gotcha. shell. I see what you're saying now. That's, I thought it was the, the pot is what you were saying when you, you cooked it in. But I see what you're saying. You put them in the ceramic, ceramic shell. It, it, looks like a, mm-hmm. it looks like a little shell. It looks like yeah. a little seashell, but it's made out of a special clay that lets you put it right on the grill top. That's cool. That's, what, how can people find out about them? Just go to bmbloyster.com, and that's all you got to do. You the man. Thanks, Frederick. Appreciate it, and Merry Christmas. I appreciate it. Let's go to the Mountain State of West Virginia, and Ron, how are you, sir? Hey, Merry Christmas there, Doc. I just had this idea. Yes, you sir. You know all of those low-paying uh, fast food jobs that Obama's created for all of the fast-track <laughs> career people that lost their jobs? Right. That's just like taking last year's turkey bones and gluing cold cuts on them. <laughs> Uh, only, only if they were like uh, really, really thin cold cuts, right? I mean, there's not even as much meat there. Made out of real bologna, too. What part of West Virginia are you in? I'm in, uh, I'm in uh, Charleston, West Virginia. Okay, so you're not too far from where all the flooding was, just east of you, right? That is correct. And on, we, I guess fact, probably north of you. We had two cars in that say. We had two cars completely wiped out. How's it coming along now for you and everybody else around there? It was just a brief moment of flooding. It wasn't a long-lasting thing. Oh, so you didn't get as much as some of the areas or whatever. Well, Ron, God bless you and Merry Christmas, okay? And you do the same. I'm very familiar with not only my bunch of relatives from West Virginia. I also used to uh, work in Logan, West Virginia. My first radio job was about an hour or so from Charleston down in the coal belt of uh, Logan. Logan, West Virginia. So uh, the Speedy Bevins and everybody at WVOW down there. I hope they're having a mer- hope you guys have a merry Christmas. Let's go to New Mexico and Sharon. Welcome aboard the Glenn Beck program. Hi, Doc. Thanks. I wanted to share a story of some uh, blessing that somebody gave to us one yes, year. Uh, our five-year-old son died in early November. This was a few years back, and our other kids. We had three other kids, and you can imagine around Christmas time it was pretty tough. So we bought presents, and I made their favorite cookies and whatever, but I really wasn't into it too much as far as decorations and whatever. So Christmas Eve, we went to our church, our Sunday school party. They had a potluck, secret Santa kind of thing. And um, somebody had asked, you know, how are you guys doing? And I said, well, you know, we're doing the bare minimum, what we have to for the other kids, but it's kind of tough, and explained. And so we went home that night. And about 30 minutes later, the doorbell rang, and one of the people from the party came and said that she had a flat tire. Could she come in and wait a minute? 
while somebody picked her up. And so we were visiting. And slowly, slowly, everybody from the class started showing up. They had gone to the store. They had bought lights and a tree. And they decorated our house for Christmas. And we sang songs and Christmas, you know, uh, had a really great Christmas time. They blessed us that day in a way they probably never imagined that they could. And I'm sorry. But it was really, truly beautiful. Did did that help you through the moment? Did you, did that, did that, it did that did. restore a little it, of your faith? It, well, it did. And, and you know what? It, it's funny that you say that. I have to tell you, that's one of the collateral beauty that we got from that moment. That's a new movie out by Will Smith. Not to promote oh, yeah. his, movie, his movie, but <laughs> uh-huh. that was a collateral moment for us um, of true beauty. So sorry to break up on your show, No, I'm, but, um, I'm, I'm glad you did. It saves me from doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sharon, thanks anyway. so much. And enjoy your, you. uh, your holiday in the land of enchantment, okay? Oh, absolutely. You too. Bye-bye. It's New Mexico. It's a land of enchantment. What do you give me that for? Uh, let's go to Iowa now and Catherine. How, Catherine, how are you? Catherine, yes. Catherine, yeah. Hey, I just wanted to call. I just had to call and thank you for playing that song, that Alleluia song by that uh, little girl singing, the autistic girl. I am a Christian concert promoter here in Davenport, and um, I wanted to tell you a brief story about yeah. two children that I took into my home. They were homeless four years ago this week. It was a year after my husband died. He was a World War II vet. So I was feeling kind of down, and I had known these children, and the mother became homeless. So I took them into my house. They were Their behavior was, was really horrible. They did not know anything about Jesus. I taught them about Jesus, but mainly what I did do is bring praise music around them. And, you know, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. These children completely changed. Within six months, the little boy who had kicked a hole in my wall, <laughs> a week after he moved in with me, he said, I'm not a bad boy anymore. And he said, why is that? And he goes, because I love God and read the Bible. Every night he would read the little Bible that I got for him. He would fall asleep with his head on it. So I just want to encourage your listeners, bring praise music around your children. I played it when they would go to school, and before they would get out of the car, I'd say, what are you? And they'd say, smart, special, loved. They completely changed. One time they were on stage singing at one of my concerts. So the Lord really, really blesses his people that bless him. And I just wanted yes. to share that with you. Thank no, you No, you're so right, Catherine. And you know what? And you know the adage, you've probably heard it, that what you gaze upon, you become. And it's the same thing with that, that what you hear, you, you become, right? I mean, yeah, you. that's right. It's, it's around you and it envelops you and everything else. Merry Christmas. Enjoy Merry your time. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. If you get a chance today, go to uh, the Blaze Facebook page or mine. It's the uh, facebook.com slash Show or slash the Blaze. And uh, we, we played a song earlier, that's what she was referencing, of an autistic girl who is 10, who, um, when, I, when I first heard the song and didn't know anything about her, I thought she was, you know, an, an adult woman singing because it was so clean and clear and, and strong voice. Um, it didn't sound like a, like a child's voice or what you would expect a child's voice to sound like. And then the song was amazing. Uh, last night on Mike Opalka's show, Mike has a show on the Blaze Radio Network as well, and I think he's filling in on January 2nd on this program. On Twitter, it's at StuntBrain if you want to join him. He's a coworker of mine. He's a good guy. Right before he's going on the air, I sent him a link to that story, not realizing he was going to like listen to the full thing and read the whole story right then. It was like five minutes before he was going on the air. I just wanted him to say, hey, here's something really interesting. Let's post that at The Blaze because this girl has an amazing story and it's an amazing performance. 
I didn't know that uh, it was one of Mike's favorite songs, and I didn't know he would be as moved by it as I would. So I had him crying right before he had to go on the air, which is pretty funny to do. Had had I known that was going to be the reaction I would have gotten from Mike, I would have definitely sent it right before he went on the air. <laughs> Mike and I have both had a, as I mentioned, a particularly difficult year. We've gone through some similar things, including both of us losing a parent. So it's been it's been a challenge. But the song really did help me in a very short period of time, kind of put it all into perspective. Again, that's all it is. You know, my crisis of faith wasn't a, you know, disbelief or non-belief or anything like that or, you know, completely feeling abandoned or anything like this. It was just feeling alone in all of all of my struggles. I knew, I knew I wasn't, but it still feels cold and alone. I mean, consciously, I, my faith is right that I know you know, my connection with God, I got it. I just wasn't feeling it as much. And that made it pretty difficult. But those really subtle moments, those those small gestures, gestures and gestures can do so much. That's what I loved about it. It was this girl who struggles using her talent and God-given gift and unbeknownst to her and her family, Touching people around the globe. Wonderful tutorial right before Christmas. Absolutely wonderful. So here's how this is going to roll out. <clears throat> All of the major changes with our radio network and even some things on this program, not, not content-wise or the things that you would necessarily know, just more opportunities. Glenn has a new set, for example. All of that's coming shortly after the first of the year. January 3rd, we're all back. Next week on this program, another week of uh, guest hosting. I believe Buck Sexton will be in uh, some days. I don't know which days and I don't know who else is rounding out the week. And I know Michael Palka, as I said, will be on, I believe, January 2nd. The rest of them I'm not sure, but I'm sure they'll be talented, competent folks. And uh, they'll, they'll get you through and it'll be solid, entertaining radio. But it all opens up January 3rd, folks. That's when we're going large. So please stick around and get ready for the fun. And thank you so much for supporting us over the last year, especially through some of the growing pains. It has been difficult but you have made it uh, much more bearable. And next year is going to be what I believe a growth year with a lot of good stuff coming in many facets, not just this company and this radio show, but also America and shaking off some of the bad of the last eight years, policies, uh, economic policies, personal freedom attacks, and moving forward in a really positive direction. How much good How much growth? That is the only question. Doc Thompson in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. From Mercury Studios in Dallas, it's Doc Thompson. I usually broadcast from Bentonville, Arkansas, where I live, um, but I do extra work and fill in and guest stuff down here in Dallas. And when I'm here, I usually try to, before I leave, 
uh, kind of pull a couple of practical jokes, kind of set them up so things are discovered while I'm gone. The key here is making them funny and fun enough, yet not something that will get me fired. It is a narrow, it's a narrow window to try to kind of wedge it in there. So I'm sitting here trying to think up uh, hijinks and shenanigans that I can leave for Glenn. Little, little presents, little gifts. And I think I have a couple that I'm going to do. So I'm going to put them in play, try not to get fired, and then I'll tweet over the next couple of weeks as we go through the holidays and Glenn makes his way back. So make sure to follow me at Doc Thompson Show and uh, see what either was so much fun that we got Glenn or the thing that got me fired. Either way. So it's at Doc Thompson Show on Twitter. Have yourself a happy holiday and a Merry Christmas. God bless you. I'll see you in 2017. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.